You're listening to Emma Nash, Screen Queens. Hi, everyone. Here we are, back again, back on our bullshit, as I like to say. Em and Ash, infamous local radio stars from Cambridge, England, for our international fans. But then COVID fucked the radio fame. So here we are. I'm Ash. That's Em. Hi there. And here's producer Stu. Hello. How's it going, everyone? Well, I'm in a new, I, I feel like I'm moving around in new locations currently due to the fire, due to the terrible internet. House fire you on. suffered, Emma, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I like to just bring that up on a regular basis. So I used to do it in the bedroom. Can't do it in the bedroom anymore because that's out of, out of action. Then upstairs, the internet is too shifty, particularly on a Saturday night when probably all of Saffron World, I imagine, is trying to watch Strictly Come Dancing in HD or some such <sighs> nonsense. Uh, so I've now retired to the makeshift bedroom, which is literally next to the router. So I'm hoping that we're going to have really consistent sound this evening. You're doing pretty well so far. She sounds great, Superman, doesn't she? Sounding a lot better than the, the, the sort of the, the, the editing I had to go through last week. Yes, it's a lot, a lot clearer. <laughs> Well, that that was shade. Did you hear that? <laughs> I did hear that shade. I he heard that shade. It. It's I heard that shade. Producer shade. Way. Sorry. <laughs> I've had a fairly uneventful week. I think we did have friends around last night. We, we we had drinks in the garden, so we did the same thing again. Threw all the lights out, lit the fire pit. Thought this is going to be our life for the next three months. And then the storms came in. Which well, today I it's foul. I know. Jacob oh. just hopefully came downstairs and was like, Are we going to the fire pit? And I was like, It is slashing down outside. No, no one is doing anything other than watching TV for the next two months. Good. Which is why it's so useful that we have this podcast. Exactly. It's kind of a public service. I've always thought it's a public service, to be fair. I like to it's, think that. How's your week? Especially. I was about to say, especially when I give my public service announcements about whatever I gave public service announcements about during the drunks episode, which is our second most listened to episode, Emma, you tell me. I, I, it is our second, I think, after, <laughs> after the first one it currently is. And I listened to it, and then someone pointed out to me that if you play it on... Backwards, <sighs> I tell you Satan is alive. No, if you play it on Patty Low, because a friend of mine was like, did you fiddle around with the timings? Then she realised she was listening to it on 1.5 time, because I sounded even faster than usual. Oh. And then the other friend was like, if you slow it down, then Drunk Ash turns into Stoned Ash, and it becomes... <laughs> <laughs> but I, honestly, I only just finished listening to the Drunks episode. I'm like, I'm, you do sound like you're about to pass out by the end of it. It's one of the most entertaining hours. Well, I did. Part. I walked right next door to my bed <laughs> and passed out. Where partner with the good shouts had already passed out an hour before, and that man can hold his liquor way better than me, so you can imagine the state I'm in. <laughs> Christ you, you've had a week off, but it hasn't been a fun week off, has it? No, I mean, after all of the um, excitement of, of selling off my, my Pokemon cards and getting a new projector and all that, by the time I got through all that, that took me to about as late as Monday evening, by which point I suddenly felt myself coming down with a lovely cold. That's Is that why I'm disappointed, Stuart, not to see just like, you know, piles of, of flashing your Pokemon <laughs> over, your, <laughs> over your bed, scattered over your bed. But you have you you're also, I believe, encouraging other men of, of your generation. Not just men. Um, there is, uh, uh, I think there's another 105 person, in fact, um, 
Sarah, Sarah Cambridge Wusa. Radio 105, yes. which we used to all be on before pandemic said no. Exactly. So Sarah, I believe she does the classical music show on the station and she's not necessarily specifically her, but her sister has some in a box somewhere. Um, and I've had a few people who, since I've mentioned that I managed to get um, a not entirely insignificant sum of money for mine, that they Ooh. are going to dig up theirs and I have offered where I can to help them. So... It's all coming at Millhouse. What are people. you gonna buy with your? What are you gonna buy with your Pokemon cash? What's what are you thinking? What special thing will then be like? This was my unexpected Pokemon cash. Will you buy like a real Pokemon? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if only, if only. No, nothing nearly as exciting. I'm excited by it, but if I try and explain to you what it is, you might drift off. So I'm gonna put it very quickly. A new graphics card from my computer. Ashley's already yawning. <laughs> I didn't I'm even not, finish. Though. I'm deeply fascinated. But no, it's just a, it's a thing to make the games look pretty on my computer and to make the upcoming Xbox and PlayStation releases look paltry because they're always a few generations behind PC gaming. This is, I do hear this. I hear if you're a serious gamer, you should only really be doing PC gaming. And my children try and tell me this too, or one of my children does. But having three children on three different platforms gets very complicated for me <laughs> also this is another example of the patriarchy because back in the late 90s us females were encouraged to plow our pocket money into penniless beanie babies and here you guys are with your fucking pokemon cards making hundreds decades later like i what said about cabbage patch dolls maybe cabbage patch kids i'm not they... that old i was born <laughs> in the late 80s <laughs> I, know, I am no one. I I don't know what I spent my money. I didn't have. I think I spent money on comics. Maybe I don't think I don't even didn't have money for. I have some comics. I have the original Umbrella Academy comics written by Gerard Way, author of My Chemical Romance. He was on my laminated list. Um, oh, actually, we've discussed your laminated list. I was going to say that. Oh. You sound like partner with a good shout. Get over it. But <laughs> that said, it's very good that your list is laminated because that will pre preserve its quality and it may sell for a lot of money later <laughs> down the line. <laughs> and the She's comics are in laminated list. <laughs> no, I had to change it. I was telling someone this before because it was basically made up of members of McFly and Busted. And they became too attainable when they were no longer famous. So I had to change it. I was like, I don't think those are the rules. The fact they're attainable now is my investment paying off. <laughs> was that partner with the good shouts who made you change it? Because he was worried like was they may come to Grantchester yeah. and just, you know, just sweep yeah. you off your feet. I have previous with actors and musicians, though. So this is before he knew what an idiot I was. Like, these Woody guys Harrison. aren't coming for you. My close personal friend, Woody close Harrison, personal friend. being one of them. <laughs> I could if oh. I wanted to. Of course, I maintain that. that. I mean, you are significantly that. younger and more attractive than Woody Harrison, so yeah, I'm pretty Bloop. sure you could. Thanks, Jessie. You are bored and welcome. She's like a fitter version of Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I never say I said significantly, said significantly fitter. Significantly, I am significantly fitter. No, I right. think he's gorgeous. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but the exciting thing is, of course, the night's drawing in literally here Woo! in. Okay, the clocks go back tonight and we have had a week of what we've got so much content that we're having to we, we, we've had to actually have a like a proper team discussion before we, we had came a team meeting we, team meeting um, well that's partly because actually a production here, did i'm very sorry to push back some stuff to next week and stuff for this week however i was talking to Stu about this actually a friend of mm. mine a friend like okay, say it's the mother of jago youngest child judge jago's best friend she recommended something called mr boogity 
to Jago, and I feel like you would have watched this. It came out in about 1987, which I know is when you were born. Mm. But it was the weirdest, like, Disney Halloween, 45-minute kind of length, all in, like a short story. It was bizarre. It had John Aston in it. It had the original um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in it. It had a relatively scary haunting of the house. And Judge Jago spent the entire time buried in my side because he was allegedly too scared to watch it because this friend of ours has said it was the scariest thing she ever watched when she was seven and I just thought of you Ash because it was kind of Mr Boogity I think you would maybe appreciate it in a retro manner is it on Disney Plus somewhere is it it's on Disney Plus 86 film I got it okay oh yeah all I'm thinking is I like the way you work it Oh, I think that's you all would I'm be thinking. Into that kind of, and there's a lot of those on Disney Plus, I think, now, of these kind of things that they did in the 80s, like I say, kind of little Halloween specials. So I just thought of you, Ash, because I know this is the most wonderful I time. I like that. It's the second most wonderful time of year. I know you must be terribly excited about the new Dolly Parton original film coming to Netflix. I can't I'm speak guessing. about it, please. It's going to be at least another month, but I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm already terribly overexcited. Please, no. Please, we'll have a joint, a joint screening for that. But what are we going to talk about this week? However, since you mentioned Dolly, and I feel no one believes me about my psychic ability because I killed George Michael, I guessed that he was going to die three days before he died. No one thought he was going to. And thus was born Celebrity Death Pool with my friends. I had a dream for the first time ever that I met Dolly Parton a few days ago. And that's normally a bad omen. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's an omen that you might actually be getting to meet Dolly Parton, which would be delightful. I excitedly told Partner with a good shouts, and he was like, isn't that bad news? I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, it is. Dolly um, is looking in rude health. I she's think looking like, great, but she might be overexerting herself a bit like Michael did at the end of his career, you know? But Michael was in a very bad place. George Michael, I think, was in a bad place. You know, I don't think already- Dolly's on opiates or anything. Well, no, he was, and he was smoking like 55 skunk joints a day, wasn't he? Or something. Really? Like, yeah, he was very, very, when his dad died, he was completely, like, fully addicted okay. to cannabis. Then well, drove his car into Specsavers, and, and then... Are you like, thinking of George Michael? Yes. I said Michael, as in Michael Jackson. Oh, well, actually, that wasn't a surprise, was it? When no. he died, was it really? Okay. Are you really but trying I mean, to set, set yourself up as an impressive... I mean, he was overexerting himself. So he was like getting ready for a new tour. Dolly's got her Christmas merch out. There's a new film. There's a new album. Dolly seems a much, much more secure person in her own. Accidents happen. Who knows what the fuck Carl Dean's up to because no one knows who or where he is. Is that her husband? Yes, exactly. Um, no one knows. I know. Who I've been on Dolly tour bus. I know some shizzle. I've been to Dollywood. I've got, I've got my Dolly down. But I no, I don't think you need to worry about Dolly. Okay. I don't think she's in. I think Michael Jackson's a very, very troubled human being. I can't being. take that this year. This That would be, that's too much. 2020 wouldn't do that to us. It would not do it. It's done enough to us. I've ordered okay. new jumpers today and a new fire pit to really embrace the outside living. So I can have two, well, a kind cool. of two fire pits and a new cashmere jumper. That's what's been on my wish list today. Cutesy, cutesy. Shall I, uh, when I interrupted you, you wanted me to tell everyone what we were talking about, didn't you? Yeah, but then I got really confused and went down a whole George Michael lane. So yeah, like, yeah totally. Let's Sorry talk about, about what we're talking about this Rest week. in pieces, both Michaels. So in this order, in case you want to skip forward or back, because we talk for a long time these days, we're going to start off with the trial of the Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin's new film about the people that got 
put on trial for peacefully, allegedly protesting at the Democratic National Convention in 1968. That stars Sasha Baron Cohen, who also has the latest Borat film out, which came out on Friday. We're going to do that next. And then we're, we finally finished, Stuart and I have finished The Haunting of Blind Manor, which came out on Netflix a couple of weeks ago, but it's quite a lot of TV. So we, we thought we'd wait and see until you could all get through it. Made by the people who did The Haunting of Hill House, which was creepy. So we were very excited for that. And the new Rebecca, so Daphne du Maurier's novel. Alfred Hitchcock did an Oscar-nominated film about this. Oscar so winning. Oscar winning, sorry, yeah. That's a picture of 1940. Maybe because uh, it's him, though. Who knows? Um, so Ben Wheatley, uh, the yeah. British director, made... Of High Rise, which is... Of yeah, High Rise, which was... A really interesting choice, I fucking think. Fucking weird. Yeah. And we're finally going to let Stuart have his moment in the sun. At this point, I'll be too drunk to care what's going on. The final thing we're going <laughs> to talk about today is Star Trek Discovery. Discovery. <laughs> And I'm sure Stuart will tell us why the word discovery is on the end of that, because it took me five minutes to find it on IMDb, because I don't know what it is. Ending on a high, as I like to say, ending on a high. Lots of stew this week for the stew fans. Lots of stew. Lots and lots of stew. Well, did we all see Chicago 7, or was it just me and Em? This is the point where I am less involved. (laughs) Night, night. (laughs) Just me and you, Ash. Do you want to intro this? Well, you weren't alive, but you're closer to being alive. So I reckon M intros. Okay. Go. So, go. Thanks very much. So, obviously, The Trial of Chicago 7 has been heavily flagged on Netflix for a while. And I think it was out in cinemas for maybe two weeks. But but as we know, there are very few cinemas still open in the UK. But, you know, those that are have been showing this for two weeks. Then it landed on Netflix. So it's Aaron Sorkin. Of course, famed writer of The West Wing and also, let us not forget, that amazing courtroom drama, A A Few Good Men. And as Ash just headed up for you, this is a dramatised version of the 1968 almost show trial, really, where the government was so sick to death of vietnam protesters that they kind of they got these really high profile guys and they are high they you know they were high profile a combination of sort of activists and um the leader at the time of the black panthers as well was in there although that that would have made it the chicago eight and he then kind of at one point they they give him a mistrial and everybody else carries on but it was it, it it's a show trial they really weren't they didn't do anything that they were accused of. But I think this movie, which has this incredibly starry cast, like Ashley says, you have Sasha Baron Cohen, you have Eddie Redmayne, you have Michael Keaton, you have Frank Langella, you have Jeremy Strong, who is Kendall in succession, fresh off his Emmy win or whatever. The cast is amazing. And it tells it in this re I, I quite enjoyed the time frame way of doing it because you kind of it kind of throws you straight into the beginning of it. Then it takes you through the court case and then it flashes back to show you how each of them were sort of set up for their arrests, really, and how it happened. And in the meantime, because this trial went on, I think, for six months or so, six, seven months, they're all kind of staying in a house in Chicago where, where, where they're being tried or whatever. And, and, they, and there's, there's conflicts between these activists as well because they're all coming from very different places. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen is playing Abby Hoffman. Um, who was a New York kind of stand-up comedian and suffered from bipolar and is you know was, a, was an extremely sort of 
left-wing activist, Reddy Mayne. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne is less of a hippie. He's running the Social Democrat Student Society with his friend, and they're a little bit more within the rules. They're a little bit less. I mean, Abby Abby Hoffman turns up, I think, to one of the first sittings, and he's like, yeah, I am completely stoned. He was a definite anti-establishment. And in fact, in real life, he ended up, I think, killing himself at the age of 52 because he suffered from bipolar. It's a brilliant performance from Sasha Baranko in that in particular. But it's just Aaron Sorkin can write some very sharp dialogue and can tell and this is this is directed by him as well and I just think it tells a story that I knew nothing about to be honest I mean there's so much that went on during the Vietnam War I knew nothing about this and I think it told it in a really like I say interesting way the flashbacks work well the 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 the, the cast is so starry it's a kind of film that if this was a normal year I imagine we'd be looking at Oscars ahoy Oscar nominations ahoy for this I would have thought although as he says maybe not but it was, it kept me up way late on a school night. We were only going to watch half and then half the following night. And I, I, I stayed up for the whole thing because the most, let's say as well, in this time with everything that's gone on with BLM and the rest, again, it is, it, it's an interesting, so that they have, now, Ashley, you're going to, because my, inter, my, my, I can't get on my IMDb. So you yeah. have, what's the actor of the guy who's playing Bobby Seale? Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Yeah, so he is playing the head of the Black Panthers, also up there. And what the interesting he thing about... He is an angry, brilliant force. I loved him. And I don't know that he's been... I've not seen anything else he's in. He's done little bits in The Watchmen. He did a Black Mirror episode. And he was in Us, the scary film, Us. I have seen very little of him. But, it, you know, the, the, there were protest songs written about this trial because this is a true right. thing that happened. He's his lawyer. So they, they, they kind of again, they brought him in because he was just a leader of that panther at the time. He didn't do anything yeah. he wasn't even in Chicago at the time. Yeah. It was a complete travesty a show trial in that courtroom. They want to scare his... people into thinking everyone else is guilty because they're tied to this black man who's in the Black Panthers. How exactly. horrific of them. And his um his lawyer, I think, was having pancreatic surgery or something. So he says yeah. very clearly the whole time, I do have a lawyer. I'm here without here. representation. Yeah. And he tries to scream it at the court. And then we have Frank Langella, who, oh, Brilliant performance as he the worst judge so ever. Much. Well, yeah. of course he did, but he's meant, I mean, he's a brilliant, yeah. I, I imagine that's just what, that's just what, you know, he is the most bigoted, self-important, the worst judge you can imagine for this. Yeah. And at one point they do handcuff and chain Bobby to his chair and yeah. gag him and bring him back into the courtroom. And this really happened in Like a slave. Court. He looks like a slave. People are appalled by it then and watching it now after the, you know, the last three or four months worth of press coming out. And also I think they, they did a really good job with the whole scene when the police do come across the activists in the part and you think about all the talk about police police brutality in america at the moment the night six right it's really deja vu yeah it's it, it, it it's speaking to us now in 2020 and in some ways it makes me wish well obviously we can't really because of covid but you're like damn it we need to be protesting harder to... again we need to find our fire maybe it's this I do love this kind of thing um but it was this is the most infuriating version of this kind of thing I'd seen I agree with everything you said um and I meant to call out Mark Rylance the best British oh. actor of all time as one of the defense lawyers and Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays really? the lawyer for the opposition which is a tricky part to play and I liked that 
Although I feel, I will just say, I think they wrote his part much more sympathetically. I, I did mm. a bit of Googling around the actual trial. And from what I understand, because he that is the guy. guy was a like, cunt, of course. Yeah, he was yeah. the worst, apparently. And he was like a pit bull in the court. We could say. Whereas because it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's such a sympathetic screen presence anyway. And they, you know, they write him as this kind of guy who is relatively liberal and can see the wrong in what he's having to do. But he is working. Yeah. For but it's a nuanced performance. Um, the thing that got me going in this was this, it feels like fiction because it's so fucking crazy, yet you know that this happened, it's real life, and you know that people are going to be watching this thinking, oh, it's a film, surely that didn't happen that way. Yes, it did. And today we have people, we have hundreds of people filming these things happening on their mobile phones, and this shit is still happening. So that was the horrible trap I found myself in watching this. It's, um, I saw on Instagram, I think Will Smith posted on Instagram actually, police brutality and racism isn't new, it's just getting filmed and streamed now. Um, I, we are a lot further than we were. Um, this, this shit still goes on and it's fucking infuriating. And I think the most infuriating thing for me was watching this knowing that trials like this still happen. They decide you're guilty. They decide which witnesses you can bring. They decide who the jury is. And you can still do that. That still happens. Please yeah. don't think that this is an historical drama by any no. stretch. No, it's no, no, no. And and and, and you know, they have you know, they have definitely dramatized it. But like I say, it kind of reminded me a little bit maybe of something like Spotlight, because you've just got mm. Strong ensemble cast. In fact, I mean, my God, when Michael Keaton popped up as the extra. Oh my God, he was great. Only in it for maybe 10 minutes, but yeah. again, just so good. So, in, like I say, if you're looking to take it out of any historical or political context of today and just look at it as, you know, something you might want to watch on Netflix, this is a really high caliber, well acted, yes. well written classy film I do mm -hmm. classy. Mm -hmm. that's so that's so tacky of me but no it yeah, is it, it, it reminds me of spotlight like that well yeah. written well cast well acted no one can be faulted you no. turn a corner and there's another famous incredible actor with brilliantly written lines but I didn't feel that anyone chewed up the scenery too nope. much either on it I think everybody yeah. sort of showed respect to the people around you know they showed respect to the fact that they're within a cast of many great actors and yeah. um yeah it was just it was just a really really good two hours on a Wednesday night that kept me up till half past midnight when I wasn't expecting it yeah. about a, something I knew nothing about and like I said this trial went on for se you know six seven months because they keep saying day 110 day yeah 100 and this yeah it's please watch this if you're in two minds about whether stuff like this can happen how it happens what goes on if you think surely the justice system can't be stacked against certain people surely everyone gets a fair rap of it watch this and they show you the inner workings of how these things are manipulated and stacked towards it goes they, all the way to the top kids who and they, they do a good job as well in using i think real real life footage from the 60s you know they do they do put some real life footage, heartbreaking really shocking when there is a member of the black you know one of the leaders of the black panther, black panther chapters is was effectively executed and they bring they that were executed in. and that was yeah. yeah it's it's it yeah it's intense and there are some different there are some difficult things to watch in it but it's it's really good really really and i think I don Aaron Sorkin, i haven't the west wing seems like a very long time ago and a few good men 
even longer ago. But yeah, he's back a, on form. Sharp writer. Yeah, I think this is the best thing he's done. I think this is better than The West Wing. I, I don't know. Is this his first feature film that he's directed? I didn't know that. Oh, I know. I don't know. Maybe. If he, well, I only know it? him for TV. Actually, A Few Good Men though is is the film of. And then Molly's Game. He wrote the Social Network. He I wrote. know him mostly as a writer, but I do, I think I don't know whether or not oh, this is the mean... first time that he's directed a feature film. No, he directed Molly's Game. So I don't hold that it. against him. That's is that Jessica okay... Chastain. Haven't yeah, seen. it's okay. Um, but Trial of the Chicago Seven is a must see. You will love it's it. It's heavy. Good. It will aggravate and annoy you so give it some time give it some space but um that's a netflix thing okay isn't it yeah yeah yeah, the trial of the chicago seven two hours definitely give that a go it's infuriating but fantastic shall we segue by the way into the lighter territory so sasha baron cohen he reminds me a lot of will ferrell you know this guy known for sasha baron cohen yeah, known for his comedy, an incredibly good dramatic actor. And I think well he's known. a little bit more politicised than Will Ferrell. And I'm oh, still, very much so. I'm still questioning where this amazing dramatic acting comes from Will Ferrell. I mean, I love Will Ferrell. Everything I, must go. I don't think I've seen that. The Weatherman. Oh, my God, it's good. Anyway, anyway so the sequel to Borat you. has come. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen back playing Borat he goes to well he goes to america to try and make up for all the crap he did in the last film and then his daughter well no he's been trip, doesn't he's he? been held in prison in kazakhstan because kazakhstan not Ka- he embarrassed kazakhstan, kazakhstan. Yeah. so they've they've kept him in prison he's working in effectively a gulag but then they say you know what you've got a chance to redeem yourself we want you to travel to america and take this gift to mike pence which is a monkey, which is the cultural secretary of Kazakhstan, I think. And if they take this present to Mike Pence, we can forgive you. And so he ends up going back to America with his daughter. That is the very least. Yeah. So she gets a makeover and he wants to use his daughter to uh, seduce Mike Pence. She ends up in real life seducing Rudy Giuliani, the ex-mayor of New York. And I have seen it. And he is a fucking dick. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know how much of that was set up, but we, I feel like the I'm getting a ahead. sex pest. I feel like we're getting ahead of, 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 of the, yes. movie, the movie itself. So it's there's lots of, it's the same as to be expected of the old Borat, but this man manages to infiltrate the highest level of events and buildings and people. It's truly astounding. And what I was most interested in was how did they get them to sign the releases? But all you have to do is say, we want to film. We're going to film. We're not going to give you editorial rights. We're not going to give you final production rights. You can do whatever you want. And he fucking does. So one of the things you, you mentioned, how does he get people to sign off on these things? Um, they've already, the creators of the film, so Baron Cohen, et cetera, have already been sued for fraud for including the interview with the Holocaust survivor, Judith Dib Evans, in the synagogue. She died that before... Was yeah, uncomfortable, that was. It was, but she died before the film's release. Oh. And her hairs brought the lawsuit forward, alleging she did not consent to having her likeness included in the film. Baron Cohen has subsequently claimed that he broke character to reveal to her that the piece okay. was comedy 
she came was... across brilliantly that lady that was she was a picture of warmth and religious acceptance and she was the only nice person in that film I exactly think. she um she was there to sort of remind borat as much as anyone else that people can be nice and forgiving and kind yeah. even when Please people don't... are being horrible sleazy malicious yeah. about their people so I think this is, what, 14 years old. I think the first Borat came out in 2006, didn't it? And they make it very clear from the beginning. As soon as he comes out on the streets in America in his Borat, out, obviously people recognise him. Oh, hey, look, it's you, it's Borat. Mm. So he has to go and get another disguise. And obviously, so you're never going to have quite the shock value that came from the first one when he gets that entire rodeo crowd to, to you know, to, to sing about killing the Jews or whatever, throw the Jews in the well or whatever. That, this is worse. You know, Are you kidding me? But it's, this no, no, is this is more angry, but it's more specific. You haven't got those kind of groups of people because I don't think he could, he wouldn't be able to. Someone would recognize. To fool that many people again. So it's more specific. But yes, you know, going in and the women who are icing the cake with the messages that the anti Semitic recipes he's asking for. I'm not saying it's not worse. I'm saying it, it's angrier and it's meaner. And so it makes it slightly less easy to laugh at i would say because obviously the time we're living i don't in as well. think we were supposed to laugh well, at this i think he's i'm not using this as a totally political i'm not saying you're meant vehicle. You, there is all yeah yeah but there's well yes but at the same time obviously you are meant to laugh in a semi-shocked manner when he crashes yeah. the debutante ball with his oh fake God. daughter having her don't tell no, 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 that's a good spoiler but I think yeah. he's luring people into the cinemas with this because they thought the last one was hilarious because we're making fun of Kazakhstanis. Oh my God, they look a bit brown. Oh my God, they're a bit stupid. Let's laugh at them, which huge swathes of the population still do. And then he gets you in to watch this and you realize it's you. You well, are the problem. Also, it's a, it's a trap. 2020 is just such a different i might start crying in a minute but 2020 is such a different place from 2006 isn't it i mean the fact that we've spent four years with donald trump as president of the u.s is already you know who can satirize that it's and so this, crazy this film does take place during um covid um so you yeah. know you might have seen i think it must have been filmed at the very beginning as they and, yes. and, then, and then obviously it starts to get yeah. So he has that, there's, you know, there's scenes where he goes to see the guys and, and they're discussing whether, and, and you know, there are, there are, there's, it is, it's a very pandemic yeah. film. It's a very COVID. It's, it, it's, I don't think it will necessarily age particularly, well, I don't know who the fuck knows where we're going to be in another year or two or whatever. Uh, I feel like it could be so specific to this time that it won't age that well because we are living through this. But I think for this time, what a scabriously angry and brilliant. And you know what? Two days after watching him in The Trial of Chicago 7, it just brought to me again, he is such a gift, Sasha Baron Cohen. He is, you know, in this time, he is mm -hmm. such a talented actor, such a talented writer, so prepared to put uncomfortable truths on the buzzer. There. I just, I'm really, I think I'm incredibly proud as an English person to claim him as our own. I think he's um he puts himself on the line a lot as well. I think he puts himself um in a lot of compromising and dangerous situations. So we mentioned before that there's a sort of a scaled down version of the the entire country music festival. It's like a it's a Trump rally basically, and you've got all of these far right Americans openly openly carrying firearms, and 
Yeah, he's in. He, he's in disguise. He shows in disguise up in a KKK uniform, and they let him in. That's 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 what they he, kick him out when he dresses up as Trump. So that's that's, that's at the Republican conference. We're talking about oh, the, the other music one. thing afterwards. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but that one, he's there doing another vulgar song where he gets all of these right wings to mm. say these awful things, and they say it heartily, and they say it with joy and glee, and it's awful. But at the same time, if it, if his cover was blown there. And he had all these people out there. They would there. have killed him. Yeah, they would have killed him. They would have, he, he would have been had a serious case of lead poisoning, we'll say. Um, but it's insane. And then also, again, the, the, it's not just him, obviously, because he's supported this time by... What's the name of the actress who plays his daughter? Oh, she was cool, actually. She's, she's, she's a relative unknown. Maria she's Bulgarian. Yeah. yeah, she's so, Bulgarian. Sorry, Maria Bakalova. And she was really, really good. And she also puts herself into some very uncomfortable positions, I would, you know, I can imagine. Notably with Rudy. Giovanni. Very, very uncomfortable. And I was wondering about the levels of consent she must have given because she does some dodgy shit. And as a female, I would have been very upset if I was in many of the situations she was in. I imagine that she was very, I, again, Ashley, I imagine when you sign up for a Borat sequel, you know what's going on. So I imagine she, I, the whole Rudy Giuliani thing. Was oh, no, so I was just interested in how they would have set her up to explain this is what might happen. It's it's harrowing. She was trying, but she, like I say, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish it by saying these things should make us laugh. Mm-hmm. as well as be shocked and as That's well as what address they're supposed questions. to do you're right it's a comedy but you're i'm right. just saying that you know i'm just saying that if you are a huge and because Bo, Bo, when borat kind of burst out in 2006 no one has seen any and maybe now obviously borat was the vanguard in this but now that trope of kind of fake documentaries road you, you've seen it before but i think what borat 2 brings is like we just talked about this anger and this very specific 2020 anger against all the crap that's happening in our world at the moment. Yeah. And I think it's timely and, and it's correct, but don't, you know, it, it, it can't, it will never, it, it could never quite be like the first Borat. Just like, no. you know, if you are an inclusive person who is for world peace and happiness and does not think women should be raped and murdered because they have vaginas, like as a basic human, honestly, because I'm not going to say left-wing because left-wing diminishes it. If you're just a normal, nice person with beliefs about the human race, this will anger you. But it's supposed to be funny because we need everybody else to see this. So I hope everybody else who sees this sees themselves in it. And especially right at the end, I won't give it away, the way he calls out a single nation is I hope they understand what the rest of the world is saying and it's true listen and it's true i think um baron cohen comes from the the george bernard shaw school of life Uh, george bernard shaw once said if you want to tell people the truth make them laugh otherwise they'll kill you i think he feared for his and that girl's life several times during this film (laughs) I think he is absolutely brilliant. And you know, from Ali G onto the, you know, and, and, and like I say, and also just a really good actor. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm all, what, you know, to watch him in The Trial of the Chicago 7 and within 24 hours to watch him again as Borat, this guy's range. We'll be talking about Rebecca lately. And as much later, and as much as I love Lily James, her range is not enormous. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just, yeah, this guy's range is, is spectacular. He is a, he is a, yeah, he's yeah. a very, very good person to have in our current 
creative spectrum. I think SBC will be giving us great stuff for decades to come, I think. So I'll watch anything Sasha Baron Cohen is even yeah. linked to. So that is Borat, subsequent movie film. Uh, that's an Amazon original. That's so if you've Amazon. got, as long as you've got Prime, then it's just free to watch. And that, yeah. and again, I think that's you know that's something they they. I think I feel like they could have probably released this with a with a rental premium, maybe because you know it's a big and they have people done are fans. Yeah, yeah. He wants the message that. out. Um, yeah, yeah. He's a great person. Watch it and watch it now. Yeah. Watch it. So bossy. Watch it. Watch, watch it and watch it now. Watch it now. Said Emma. Um, <laughs> Shall, well, we'll take a little uh, scary turn because it's the second most wonderful Sneaky. time of the year, everyone, <laughs> being Halloween. Um, I watched this a while ago, but we've, we've skipped it for two shows because it's quite a lot of TV to get through. And I didn't want to do it last week because I wanted to see the end of it so I could give it a proper review because it starts off okay, gets brilliant, and then I wasn't sure if the payoff was going to be worth it for you. So I'll set you up to start with. I think both Stuart and I have seen it all the way through. Emma, I haven't seen any of it. I didn't. Even oh, you didn't see Emmy. Well, Stuart no. and I have seen it all the way through. So we'll see. So what I'm, you think. I'm sitting back. I can't wait to. Oh my god. Oh, careful, Em. <laughs> no, Emma has just flashed the Zoom call. Everything. I am recording on my bed. This is super awkward. I'm so sorry. I felt a little bit comfortable there. Anyway, you guys. If you're live, be three. But so it's it's um is this based on a book it's based on a it's based short on novel. the it's p what's his name the turning of the screw it's based the on the turn of the screw right okay but it's Ooh, i don't know who I the author is yeah. sorry i'm not involved in this review but i did not know that <laughs> so that's why i was so excited because i normally love those gothic novellas so um an au pair dies tragically so a new nanny has to be hired so this american nanny shows up um and she's in something else that I've seen recently, Victoria Pedretti. Let me just click on her name. She's in something quite famous. Is it You? She was a lead female in the second series of You on Netflix about that very sexy serial killer. Um, but she shows up at the house to look after these two creepy little kids. There's a housekeeper and a groundsman and a gardener. And it's very English country manor horror. We do well at that in England. Something's amiss. Um, are people dead? Is the house haunted? Is there a murderous backstory going on? That's the question. So I was sold even on the, the intro two sentences. It's my bag. It took me a while to get into. It was quite slow to get into. Then it really picked up when we got into the housekeeper's backstory. We started looking into other members of the family and how they got there. I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be great. And then it went <laughs> and was shite. For the final two episodes, there's no payoff. They turn it into a random shit love story. Mike Flanagan, the director, did Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to Here's Johnny. I know. I liked Doctor Sleep. I love. Well, I'm I'm a huge Stephen and fan, he, he did, did Gerald's Game. He wrote Gerald's Game, which was horrible and scary. I like that. Another Stephen King. Cara Gugino, yeah, it's on Netflix. This I think. was um, neither of those, neither scary nor great. No. Um, it was not scary. It was not that 
intriguing. I think if they hadn't have billed it as a horror haunted house thing, I would have been more prepared for what it was, but I was just left very disappointed because I'm waiting on the edge of my seat every single episode. Like they're going to scare me. They're going to freak me out. Something cool is going to come about now. And it never happened. But Stu, you're, you're in a different boat with the scariness with me. So what did you expect? And were you let down or did you think it was okay? So I, I was bored and excited by this, by the fact that I really unexpectedly for me, really enjoyed the haunting of hill house the haunting of hill house That's i thought was freaky. phenomenal and yeah as you say it's very freaky um it's got a lot of ghosts in it a lot of creepy characters and mm-hmm. blind man doesn't have this to the same extent it's a very no one. it's a very different story um and and the ghosts in it aren't necessarily creepy per se they are malicious certainly they've got um they've got their own agendas um but they aren't specifically scary which i think was a bit of a shame because even me, who isn't a huge horror film, horror film, TV story, whatever fan in the first place, that's kind of what really sort of hooked me into. That's what you were sold on. Exactly, yeah. And for this one around, same time, to to, the, to its credit, Bly Manor did have me watch the entire thing beginning to end within the space of twenty four hours. I binged the hell out of this because I was really gripped by the story. Stuart, um, is that the first time you've been to something that quickly since Warrior Nun? Possibly, quite possibly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not really quite the same thing, though, but yeah, I know, yeah, different. yeah, yeah. But um, every every now and then, something captures my imagination that really drags me along for the ride and this is one of the things that did and I, I enjoyed it, perhaps not to the same extent of, of, of The Haunting of Hill House because it's very, they're made by the same people. It, you've got to compare one against the other and I, yeah, I think comparing the two of them side by side, I'm a little bit disappointed with Blind, Blind Manor not to say that I didn't enjoy it. Um, going back to the who is burnt, who who the story is based on is the turning of the screw, which we already said, but that's by Henry James. That's who it's by, um, and it almost seems to me that having read the sort of overall story of, of the turning of the screw, I've not read the book, but I've read the the premise. It almost seems like they've stretched it out too much they've taken the idea of the premise of the original book and it added too much unnecessary yeah. crap to it it was a very short sharp scary novella so that was very famous at the time um the guy who wrote uh telltale heart who, oh and he ended up dead on a bench somewhere i love him who's that horrible scary writer i can't remember um never more never more he wrote that about the raven You've got it, The Raven. Edgar Allan Poe. No, I know, Edgar Allan Poe. So he made this type of story very famous. And this is, that was what Turn of the Screw was. Um, And this is dragged out. It's drawn out. It's slow. It's very, it tries to be very deeply psychological. And that's not what these stories were made for. They were made to be read in one sitting. So they should be watched in one sitting. And it didn't work. So I haven't read the turning of the screw. The, the turning the of the turn screw. Of the screw. The turn the of turn. the screw. But Henry James, of course, was portrait of a lady in the Europeans and all those very heavy books, which honestly, I did American studies. I had to study some of his stuff, and his sentences will go on for nine lines. No joke. Oh, it makes sense then. A lot of time <laughs> and they met when they made sense. But I think I was gonna ask you, I've 
I watched half of maybe The Haunting of Hill House. Should I go back to that and re-watch that before I watch Bly Manor? Fuck Is this. That watch The Haunting of Hill House. It's very scary. It's very jumpy. It's very engaging. This is not... You won't like this. Yeah, this one had me on the edge of my seat and I, I said, binged it within 24 hours. I was adamant I had to know what was next. And yeah, because they I trick big... you, don't they? They tricked you. Dirty tricks. You were disappointed by <laughs> the end because I do remember us talking about this off-air last week and you were like, I want to see let's the last wait, episode. Let's wait, let's wait, yeah. Let's wait. But actually, the wait ended up being disappointing. I'm glad we waited because I can save you from eight hours of TV. Eight hours, that's eight hours of my life that I can get back just to sit miserably in my house, not Welcome. seeing anybody. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ash. But I think but, um, it's interesting you're talking about Henry James, Edgar Allan Poe and stuff. And maybe that's why I liked it. Um, and the bits I did like, you know, despite being disappointed, is it's all falls into the same school of thought because um, Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe was also a huge influence on H.P. Lovecraft, who I might have mentioned previously on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I am a huge fan of. A couple of. times. Exactly. How's Lovecraft? I, I still haven't. I've only watched three episodes, maybe, of Lovecraft Count, County. I'm going I'm gonna to finish it. I will do it at some point. It's, it is finished Has now. Has it finished yet? It's finished now. It is Was amazing. It oh, my God. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. That was like a little added extra for us today. Just like, you know, everybody get on Lovecraft County. Exactly. Stuart I still haven't done it. it. I'm sorry. It would have been about 10 weeks ago. Cause that's, I think it's 10 episodes, I think in total for the series. And it's, it, it takes you on a journey. You, you see all different aspects. You see all sorts of weird, terrible, terrible shit. And it's all very dark and very, watch it seriously it's great it's very well made it's a great story watch it so don't go on to Bly Manor watch Lovecraft County yeah do that there we go done yeah sold (laughs) good now that's good advice um yeah so basically fuck um the haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix let's move on to Netflix's biggest release um so I will tell you now well actually yeah I'll tell you now I was very excited for this because I bill this as my very favorite book of all time. And I'll tell you why that was funny in a little while. But Daphne du Maurier's gothic novel, Rebecca, has just been remade with Lily James and Army Hammer and Kristen Scott Thomas in the lead roles um, and directed by Ben Wheatley, the British director who does fucking weird shit like Free Fire and Sightseers, both of which are incredible, but High Rise was awful and weird. So a very interesting, properly avant-garde British director. Um, And if you don't know what it's about, it's the story of a young girl who ends up in a, a whirlwind romance and marries a very rich man after about a week who lives in this big old stately home that was a gift to his family from Henry VIII 300 years prior. He has an ex-wife who died in tragic circumstances. Everyone's quite aware that she can never live up to Rebecca. Um, And she's trying to muddle her way through being his wife, getting to, to grips with owning this house. And then Kristen Scott Thomas plays the very ominous and overbearing housekeeper mrs danvers and there's there's a lot of um we must be careful not to give spoilers for this because i'm sure we all know the story but there's a lot of intrigue and misunderstanding over how the original mrs de winter died and it's it's a it's a whodunit it's a romance it's a gothic novel story and I was very frightened that I would hate this because I didn't think the casting was very good. Before I saw it, I was like, Louis James, 
is a wet blanket. I don't think she's Kristen right. Scott Thomas, so you must have thought, well, she'll make a good Mrs. Stamper. I, I mean, she's I say she's playing herself in Four Weddings for sure, well, and I love she's it. She's playing an older, <laughs> sourer version of herself in Four Weddings for sure, but that's yeah. Army Hammer, I don't find attractive or alluring at all, but in this, I did. I finally got did it. Did you not find him attractive in Call Me By Your Name? Because I tell no, you something. I'm not a Ashley, gay man. <laughs> doesn't matter. That film sent me over the edge. Over husband the edge. Husband with a bad taste has never been happier to see me since I've come by when I came no. back to the cinema by myself. Honestly, yeah, I wasn't. And that's enough. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. So they want to overshare. But I would say that Army Hammer, he's not necessarily, I mean, he's that kind he's of not very cup of tea, no. Well, the interesting thing is, of course, he looks very old Hollywood. And when you were just I saying this is perfect. I had no idea this was Ben Wheatley until the end of it. And it is exactly such a classic kind of throwback. You could almost not gorgeous. a pastiche exactly, but no, it just it is a very, gorgeous. very genuine homage to old Hollywood. It looks beautiful from the moment yep. that they sweep it into Monte Carlo at the beginning. The first half of the film is in Monte Carlo and it's incredible. And I have never seen the 1940 version with Laurence Olivier. I've never read the book. So this I is, genuinely... This is better. ...about the mystery. And I... Lily James is... Oh, I'm so excited for you. Range... So Lily James is playing Mrs. De Winter. I don't think you ever know what her first name is. You know, she is the one. That's essays have been written about that Emma. She doesn't have a name. She she never she never has a name in the book. So she is your second Mrs. De Winter, who is a lady's maid who you know has gone to Monte Carlo with her rich cantankerous boss, basically. Then falls passionately in love with um, Maxim De Winter, and then the day that she's meant to leave with her rich cantankerous bitch boss. Maxim de Winter just proposes to her and is like, you, you're just going to come back with me to Mandalay to my massive Cornish estate, which is the creepiest fucking mansion ever. And I said to James, I would hate to live there. Big, huge, and he was like, why? Because it's horrible. And I was like, well, he's like, clearly that's awful, being sarcastic. I was yeah. like, but it's, all, it's so creepy. I would not so, want to live there, yeah. And like you say, she, you know, she comes back there and she doesn't know, you know, all she hears from people is just how heartbroken he was when his wife died and, you know, that she is maybe making life a little bit better. There's a marvellous supporting term from Keely Hawes as Maxim de Winter's sister and she's so good because obviously this is a film with very little human warmth in it you you don't know what people's motivations are you don't second guessing every single time someone touches each other so I really liked Keely Hawes coming in because she just felt like someone who genuinely you just genuinely she's the only genuine person in this I think but it looks great it's they do it's a marvellous ball scene. I think they filmed the exteriors and interiors for Mandley in about six different um, stately homes across England, various oh. ones. It's meant to be set in Cornwall, so obviously it just makes... But I think a lot of the interiors are filmed in Hatfield House, which is very near to where we are. Yeah. Well, that's and it looks, it looks amazing. They have some really interesting soundtrack choices. They have some kind of Celtic, more modern-sounding Celtic folk that comes in occasionally. And there's a scene where she is in the middle of the ball that she has arranged. And it's incredibly... No, I'm not going to. I just say (laughs) maybe this is where you see a bit of Ben Wheatley's avant-garde side coming out. It's an incredibly... I love that scene. Incredibly uncomfortable. Maybe even think a little bit of the Wicker Man. There's a sense of like... Yeah, there's a sense of kind of pagan... It's a a paganism. Yeah. yeah. And I... So, yeah, I I thought it was... It was really... It was really interesting. More interesting, I thought it was going to be. 
absolutely amazing and considering I went into this I'm very impressionable as you know um I went into this thinking it was going to be awful I went into this knowing I don't like half of what Ben Wheatley does and this was the best iteration of Rebecca I've seen I've seen all of them it is my favorite book of all time and this was absolutely amazing I loved it. Don't read anything about the story. Go I, straight into this film because it's the most brilliant whodunit you will ever see. And I understand from the book, which I have not read, and the thing is, obviously, it's an unreliable narrator because it is Mrs. De Winter, the second Mrs. The De Winter, second who's Mrs. narrating this. Yes, she doesn't know anything. She's the and brilliant thing about that book, though, is your. I did this for A level. She's like well. a cipher, right? You she's you have no idea. Yeah, she's learning along with you. She knows as much as you do, and the reader is learning as much as the narrator knows. And you're in this brilliant. Oh God, what's going on? It's fantastic. And I thought the end of this this film I thought the closing shot actually did a really good job in making you question everything you've watched for the last two hours yes and yes. I thought that was clever and yes yeah yes and the brilliant I, thing yes I can't tell you anymore how brilliant this is and watching this film had me forgetting what the end of the book was I was like surely this happened but I thought that happened but I thought this happened and they confuse you so much I was like I've read this more than once I've seen this more than once and I'm still like oh maybe this will happen that's how brilliant it was and most importantly this is the only version because when I finished reading it I hated um, Mrs. Danvers, the housekeeper. And the, yeah, the last couple of versions I watched of it, I'm like, I hate her. She's a complete bitch cunt. At the end of this film, I was like, hang on, Kristen Scott, Scott Thomas off of Four Weddings and a Funeral. I get you and I get this character. And that's exactly what Jack does brilliant meant for She's the character. Really, yeah, she is really good. And... As well, it's an overused word, but it is a super handsome adult. It's just super handsome. Like I say, it's it does. gorgeous. It's it, perfect. I guess if Hitchcock made the most famous adaptation of this in 1940, this, this has, I'm pleased you say that. I haven't seen the Hitchcock version, but I was going to say, but there's also just that sense of some stately old Hollywood in it. And I like that. I, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. And it, there's, really, there's really a did. sense of um, appreciation and what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say Ben respect, Wheatley honoured that. Respect. He, he yeah. honoured the, yeah, yeah. the exactly. Oscar winning version. They're not brilliant... trying to make it kind of in like super 2020 or whatever. I think they no. did a really good job in, in like respecting the heritage. The first one I saw was a BBC version that was made a few decades ago. And then I saw the Hollywood version because I like the book so much. But Ben Wheatley has honoured those versions. He's honoured the book. The casting was spot on. I'm sorry I ever doubted you. Um, this is, yeah, for my favourite book ever, for an Oscar-winning film, this is the best version of this story I've ever seen. Watch it. It's incredible. You will love it. Don't read anything about it. It's a very good story. Yeah, if you go in, story. I, I couldn't quite believe I've reached 47 knowing nothing about Rebecca, the you know, other than the, the, the facts of Daphne Laborier novel, and it's very famous. I knew nothing about it, and I really, I did really enjoy it, and it's right there on Netflix. God, I love Netflix. I feel that Netflix, Netflix really is fucking is. killing it. If moment, I had to it? give up and all my streaming services, you'd give up Prime. On. But what you you can't get well, shit no, to your house that, inside of twenty four hours. That'd be, be ridiculous. <laughs> Where are my cashmere jumpers and fire pits going to come from? Oh my god, have we neglected to remind you that Emma's middle fucking class today? If you needed a reminder. <laughs> 
you need a reminder, I'm right here to tell you. <laughs> hey, bitch. Anyway, yeah. it's time to hand it over to Stu yes. for the end of the show. Well, yeah. So we've we've got a five-star Rebecca on Netflix. Definitely watch it. Yeah. And then Stu, take it away. <laughs> so and so. This is this also is, on Netflix. This is back into my realms of joy. I've been harping on about this for God knows how long now. How many episodes? Way too long. A while. A while, a while. So we are rejoined. We go back to Star Trek Discovery for its third season, which came out two weeks ago now. So we're episode two aired in the UK on Netflix on Friday. So it airs, um, what is it? It's episodic, so episode every week. So it's not dumping us all in one go for a binge, which is quite rare these days, I find particularly with these big these big seasons so this won't this isn't due to end now until january next year i don't think so the third season of um this uh, version of star trek star trek discovery follows the crew of the uss discovery following the events of season two towards the end they are flung into the far future and they are literally going where no star trek has gone before into the distant future um so with all the other so this one the original series was um star trek discovery was set before the events of to confuse matters further the original series so when i say the original series i mean um william shatner Leonard Nimoy as kirk and spock respectively back in the 60s so the original star trek discovery series was set before then now we're going way way forwards way way after any of the other tv series that followed that so Next Generation with Patrick Stewart, Deep Space Nine, uh, Voyager, Enterprise, all those other series haven't touched on this. So they've got a whole new canvas to play with, a whole new set of toys and ideas, and the writers have absolute freedom to go with wherever they want. We've already discovered that the Federation is in uh, a bad state of affairs. So the Federation is the institution, the the interstellar body, which... All of our big Trek heroes are allied to. And they are now find themselves in a situation where it's in tatters and they need to rebuild it with their, now it turns out, very dated ideology. I'm not going to pretend like I know or was listening to anything. <laughs> okay. I was listening. Is to it, it good? Is it good? I want to know why this is different from all the other Star Trek. So, how is this different from Star Trek Below Deck? No, Below Deck is what I'm going to be talking about next week. How is this different from Star Trek Lower Deck, or Star Trek with William Shatner, or Star Trek with Chris Pine? So and yeah, so many Star Treks. Who's there the bald is. guy that's very famous from Star Jean-Luc Trek? Jean-Luc Picard. Patrick Stewart. Jean-Luc Picard. Patrick Stewart. I know him. Yeah. William so, Shatner's pretty famous, actually. Good Bill. <laughs> anyway, so it's different. Original. It's different in as much as that it's unlike a lot of the other series where week on week you'd have a unique self-contained story. This is more overarching. The entire series covers one big story. And that's um very new to Star Trek. It makes it feel a lot more cinematic. And obviously the production values and the budget that's got into it has pumped it up so much um it, it had a bit of negative criticism when it first came out back in was it 2017 when they launched the first season of discovery because it was almost like oh they're trying to make star trek too gritty but actually it's it was probably like 10 years since the last star trek series actually been made on television and 
they've they've just pumped into it this new life this new budget and this new quality that we have come to expect from all of our favorite streaming platforms you get an intellectual property which has got a huge cult following you pump fuck ton of money into that and you make it look and sound and read as the absolute amazingness that it should be emma I must admit, no, no, I was going to say that Hustle with a Bad Taste, neither of us are huge Star Trek fans in any way, shape or form. As I think I've probably made it clear on this podcast, we've been all Avengers, all Marvel, all the way. But he was quite tempted by this on Netflix. So should I encourage this temptation? I think you should. And do you think I will enjoy it? I think you should definitely encourage it. Whether you enjoy it or not is very up to, up to you. I think <laughs> it's a very optimistic show and has a lot of ideals that for humanity and the human race and the way we should be going as a species that we might currently lack in 2020. So there might be a twinkle of optimism in there, which might draw you in. Um, that I'd certainly encourage. And, and that's, that's um, certainly the, the sort of the idea that Gene Roddenberry, the original creator of Star Trek was going for that actually Star Trek Starfleet all the spaceships that you see in the show, all their crews are following this ideology that we can be better than we are. We can, we should strive to be better than we are, and and we should always strive to the stars, Indeed. be better, etc. Exactly. It's, I think that well, that's a marvelous message, isn't it? And that's what we should all be. Exactly. To. We should all be up for that. So Gene Roddenberry, I believe, was a Navy pilot, if I remember correctly. If there's any hardcore trekkers listening, they might jump aboard. So he saw some horrible things in war. So perhaps that's where. He thought that idea for creating Star Trek came from, that it should be uh, a nice thing, a shining example that should unite humanity rather than cause wars and stuff. But I, I digress. Um, this 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 season has been produced by CBS Television in association with Secret Hideout and uh, Roddenberry Entertainment um, with Alex Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise serving as showrunners. It stars uh, Sonequa Martin-Green as Michael Burnham. So the third Michael we've mentioned on this show so far. And it's also odd because it also shows that in the future you can have whatever name you like. Whatever. Along with retur- <laughs> returning stars Douglas Jones, Anthony Rapp, Mary Wiseman and Wilson Cruz as the rest of the crew. Um, did you say Anthony Rapp? I love Anthony I Rapp. I did say Anthony Rapp, yes. What else has he been in? Dazed and Confused. He was then a Broadway star as well, I think. He he's, he also, is he not someone who had a horrible... Yeah, Anthony Rapp. He, he also had an experience with uh, Kevin Spacey, which was not ideal for him. Poor Anthony Rapp, but he is in um he's yeah he's in Dating Confused, which did, is my all time favorite. Kevin raped that poor person. No, he didn't get raped, but he was okay. he woke up in a compromising position. I think on Kevin Spacey's so yeah. sofa, but he's he a big a victim star of a sex crime, rent and stuff like that. But he's in Dating Confused as one of the drama geeks, and he just is brilliant. And I've loved him from then on in. So I love the fact. Now I'm sold. I'm so, it only took, you gave me an in, and I'm in. So Anthony Rapp sold. and uh, Wilson Cruz together play a delightful gay couple who happen to be on on the USS Discovery, the ship they're on, um, and they have a lot of uh, romantic storylines in there as well. A lot of tragedy, a lot of weird sci-fi shit that happens that rocks their worlds effectively. Um, so that's a nice little sort of underlying story as well. And the really really interesting part about season three of star trek discovery is the fact that it came it, they, they wrapped filming right at the end of lockdown in the states or rather right at the start of lockdown in the states so it's one of the first big budget tv shows 
where all of post-production largely happened in their living rooms. So editors miraculously sort of took their editing bays, all their hardware, all their VFX equipment, and they were editing in their front rooms. Composer Jeff Russo, who produced the music for the series, sent out microphones to all of the orchestra, and they all they all played their individual parts at home in their living rooms again or in their own studios, and they all sent in the individual bits of music, and that was all sort of put together afterwards in a studio. And season four will start shooting on November 2nd, which again is i don't know where in the world they're going to start shooting but they're going to have a hard time but they're all doing two weeks of pandemic lockdown first emma i find it really interesting no i was going to say it's like the boys season three is about to start filming any day now whatever i think that you know where there are series of hits and people are watching they are yeah they're making sure that production can continue under safe circumstances and it's like we've, we've mentioned a few times in previous weeks jurassic world that is still yeah. i don't know if that's wrapped yet but mission, it's certainly... well a mission impossible i didn't even know tom cruise is 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 cavorting around rome in a mask mostly in a mask um making mission impossible but Stuart, keep his filthy scientology away from the local his scientology spirit Stuart, mm -hmm. i believe that you have signed up to a new streaming service this week have you oh yeah i have done yeah so it's um i have i may have done so Star Trek discovery i'll just wrap up that's yeah that's right netflix on fridays Pick it up, go see it. And it's dropping weekly. And so it's dropping weekly in the old school manner. It so you've got indeed. time to catch up. Exactly. I like that. So it's it's there. If you've got Netflix, you've got that. Go watch it. But this new streaming platform that I have been eyeing for the longest time and now X number of weeks into lockdown, I've finally crumbled and gone great. It's getting dark outside. It's getting miserable. Everyone needs a laugh right now. Um, it's a thing called Next Up Comedy. Next Up Comedy is quoted as being the Netflix of stand-up comedy in the UK. So you may have seen a number of different stand-up specials on Netflix and on Amazon. You may have owned stand-up specials on DVD or watched them on The Beeb or whichever TV channel of choice. But Next Up Comedy is purely stand-up comedy. It's as far as I can see, hundreds of individual stand-up shows lasting anywhere between an hour, 45 minutes, etc. And you can pay for the year. I think it's about £60 for the year. Um, and it's just it's just great. And it's I've already watched two shows on it. I've watched a bit of Ed Byrne and a bit of Shabby Corsandi. Those names that ring bells with you two? Shabby Corsandi does. The first one didn't, so, I must admit. But uh, Ed Byrne is a regular on things like... Um, uh, have, I got, have I got news no, for you? Irish, that's Irish Ed Byrne, isn't Irish it? Ed Byrne. I was once put on a blind date with him. It went terribly. <gasps> this is before he was wow. famous. I told you this much. You have not. It was it was when I was working at the same company that I met Hudson with a bad taste. We had a crazy glass Norwegian woman working in our office. She knew Ed Byrne. Ed Byrne as a, a terrible match for you. Ed Byrne is surprisingly oh, local. Turned out he really was a terrible match because we went and had the most awkward like hour at some kind of 
North London Music Festival. It was it was the worst. I think mean, it was the worst. He lives in Bishop Stortford, I think. So I think he's. Well, I'm very close. I work in Bishop Stortford, but yet still we have not managed sexy, to rekindle any any <laughs> chemistry because we had zero. But anyway, oh God. Look at me! I'm sharing so much tonight, aren't I? <laughs> Big share. I'm talking about my like twenties love life. Big share. Big share. But no, it's um. So I'd recommend if you need a laugh as the evenings draw in, the clocks go back tonight. It's getting darker. Firework. I'm going to pay all my money for fire pits and streaming services and jumpers because I figure that's all I've got for the next three months to make my life loving bearable. It. Yeah. Um, I also zoned out for the entire Star Trek chat. So, what was the key takeaway? Remind me. So the key... watch, it. watch it on Netflix. If you watch have it, Netflix, it's good. watch yeah. it. It's dropping weekly. You can catch up with it. It's great. It says something about our society of the moment. This is what I think Stuart was saying, and it's and it's great. And I said, "Husband, the bad taste is tempted," and Stuart said, "He should be tempted." Get yeah. on it. And it's very well made. It's good. it's 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 got a lot going high for budget. it. Great cast, high budget, etc. And it doesn't guns. require any knowledge really of Trek beforehand just to dive in. You that's lucky. Now I want to say that we're going to start wrapping up, obviously, for next week. But we're really yeah. excited, aren't we? Because we've got so oh, we've got much tons stuff of shit. that we Let didn't talk method. about this week for next week. So I have a long. Li- oh, this is you telling me where are you? Where are you? Calling me to wake up. Okay, so <laughs> we have on the rocks. Um, that Sophia that, Coppola's that Sophia Coppola's new film just dropped on Apple TV. Rashida Jones, Rashida Jones, Marlon Wayans, and um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yep. Um, we're also going to talk about David Letterman has a new series, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. He has huge people on there like uh, Kim Kardashian, huge. Lizzo. Um, who's that comedian I love? Dave Chappelle is on it. Um, he's incredible. And then you've watched Modern Love, Emma, haven't you? So you're I have watched that. most of Modern Love. Most of it I watched with a large bottle of Chardonnay. And then you cried on a Wednesday night, and I just cried. Oh, I remember. But we'll talk about Um, that. I think most of my friends have been there. It's been out for about six months, but I think it's worth talking about. So we'll talk about that. I really am going to make you talk about Below Deck. I'm going to make you. Fuck. Right. Okay. Again, again, not Star Trek Below Deck, which is great. Watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing I was going to perhaps nominate for something we should watch, if not. This week, the next week, because it's a Halloween theme and because I keep dropping name dropping H.P. Lovecraft left, right and centre. Have I ever got us to watch uh, Nicolas Cage in H.P. Lovecraft's The Colour Out of Space? No. No. So this cropped up not long ago, a couple of years ago, I guess. And... I hate Nicolas Cage <sighs> with a deep, fiery, oh, loathing passion. Oh, I love Nicolas Cage, Hummingbird. Oh. Come on, Con Air, man. I'll send you a trailer, but I I, 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 I I put it forward to the committee and we can yay and nay ahead of next week. And if it... I've got no time for either of you after I tried Nashville for at least 47 it's weeks. Not happening. <laughs> We're not doing it. Ain't no happening. time. Yeah, do you know it. what? I bet around the 17th of December you'll be like, you know what? I'll watch anything you recommend, Emma, because that's... May I will watch Muppets Christmas Carol 17 times a week. <laughs> before I was watch fucking Nashville. New. Yeah, I love that shit. 
I I'm watched up for Adam's Family Values for the 80th time this week. Can recommend Adorbs. My Love. sister was saying to me this week, she was saying she watched the, one of the new CGI Adam's Families and told me it no. was shit. Yeah, it's, it looks shit. Oh, I haven't seen it. It doesn't look good. Is that one with Charlize Theron doing some voice work? She no plays, one cares. She plays Morticia Adams, yeah. Oh, no, I don't need that. I mean, we're just going Witches, what? the new witches. Yeah, I was going to say, is the new witches out on Netflix any day now? I think we that's the 23rd. That. Of course we should do that. It looks fucking shocking because I hate Anne fucking Hathaway. Um, and, I like the fact and I love that you the witches. in that I still, I still think it's going to ruin Anne Hathaway for me. That's, that's my main concern. I didn't know you were in love with Anne Hathaway. You should watch Modern Love because there's a whole Anne Hathaway episode in Modern Love. I am ambivalent towards Anne Hathaway. She was under underrated in her very, very good performance in Brokeback Mountain. She was brilliant in Brokeback Mountain and no one ever... She was in it for three seconds. She wasn't. She was in it for longer than that. And I tell you, your woman from Dawson's Creek, if I can remember her name, Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams got all the kudos. She was great, that's why. Anne Hathaway deserved more from that. She played, no, she, Anne Hathaway's a cunt. She played Catwoman in Nolan's Batman trilogy. Oh. And she was shit. <sighs> Ashley. And she ruined Les Mis. <laughs> well, yeah. Did she ruin Les Mis or did yes. Russell Crowe ruin Les Mis? <laughs> she was worse than Russell Crowe and Les Mis. <gasps> that is questionable. And I'm a Listen to me fan. carefully. She we will talk about this. Let's watch Witches for next week. Let's watch, yeah. So that's, well, that's almost all of next week sorted then. We're already sorted. I'll remind that's you what we... Did. Yeah, so what we talked to you about this week, which you should and should not watch, The Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. Absolutely watch that. It's heavy, it's stressful, but it's fucking fantastic. Borat's subsequent movie film is an Amazon original. Definitely watch it. It's If you don't like the Borat kind of thing, it's the same diff, Um so you won't be missing much if you miss out on this, but I loved it. The Haunting of Bly Manor, skip it. Not as good as The Haunting of Hill House. I not love it. That was on Netflix. The new Rebecca on Netflix, take it from me, is the best Rebecca ever. And Stuart's telling you to watch Star Trek Discovery. I've not Where sold can everyone. people see this, by the way? That's on Netflix or CBS on if you're in the States. CBS for the States, um, and I zoned out for the whole chat, so I can't tell you anything else about it. I'm sorry. Well, give it a go. Give it love a go. Love you, Stu. I do love you, though. Um, and we have lots of good, ton, fun shit to talk to you about next week because it's Halloween y. And I Wait. may sit. I may sit on my bed again next week because this has been a relatively seamless interview. You haven't cracked up at all, actually. You've done very well. My editing Thanks. job Thanks so is going to be so easy. Yay! <laughs> so we won't be recording again before Halloween, I guess, because it's now Saturday and Halloween is next Saturday. Oh, I think we probably will. Will we not record do this we, week? We need maybe? to squeeze one in because I'm having we a... Do a debaucherous Halloween that begins on Friday afternoon and ends on Monday morning. So you're not going to get me in any fit state. Well, let's, as we've got so much lined fine. up, let's record later on this week and then I'll be fine. Hmm. Oh, look at us okay. just giving, giving the fans what they want, which is Planning so... Planning ahead. It's been a joy, wow. guys. That's Welcome good. to the most wonderful time of the year, dear listeners. Remember to... For some reason, you have to subscribe when you listen, and I can't be asked to read Yeah, particularly all those new listeners that Ashley tapped up for our drunk episode. Oh, my episode. God. Really? Like, subscribe. Come welcome. Welcome. Welcome um, to my world. 
And tell your friends I, to do the same. Yes. And I prom- well, I'm generally trashed every other episode. I'm lightly drunk every episode, but I can promise you I'll be trashed every other if that's what you enjoy. Um, but thank you, producer Stu. Thank you, Emma. Everyone have a great Halloween if we don't see you before then. Second most wonderful time of the year. Second, indeed. I'm very excited about Halloween. Behind I'm not. Xmas. I just but- want to move back into my bedroom. That's all I want. Fingers crossed for you, Em. Thanks so much. Thank you to everyone. Like, subscribe, share. We love you. Goodbye. Thank you, listeners. Goodbye.